You're listening to Not So Live from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Finkelstein, presenting the best radio voice this side of Nerd News. With me in the booth, as always, is... Your two-week buddy, Mike. How you doing? <laughs> it's been a bit longer than that, but we're, we're, we're hey, talking I'm, through at this I'm here, point. I'm here every other week, too, so I pop <laughs> oh. every now and again. <laughs> well, they don't know that. They're here every week for you. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> just because we record every other week. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Uh, this week we're going to be doing a bit of an unusual thing for us now. We haven't done Nerd News since Season 4. We're in Season 6 now, for those of you just catching up. Um, but we haven't done Nerd News properly since Season 4. But there's been some interesting things that I actually feel like are worth talking about just on the Nerd News and other news front. Uh, and while this might date this episode, I also think like for the long term some of the stuff is interesting. We're going to cover the, the least essential of the things that have happened recently, but only because I think it's in a dark and comical way funny um and no one cares about oligarchs so the <laughs> recent death of five people aboard the titan submersible that was heading towards the titanic so they could have a tourist trip i guess let's uh before i get into all my thoughts on it mike why don't you share yours so like <laughs> you had to sign a death waiver to even get on this floating coffin like <laughs> the only only person that I feel bad for is the kid, um, mm-hmm. because you know news has come out that the kid didn't want to go. He was he went to spend Father's Day with his father. Like that's like that that's hurts. Rough. That's rough. That's rough. That's rough. Everybody else that got on there and that absolute fucking maniac that drove that thing down there, you got what you deserved. Like well, yeah. You- you were on a vessel that had a window rated for 1,300 feet and, or 13,000 meters, and you were going to 4,000. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah, or 40,000 from 13,000 or something. Yeah, it was some kind of, it wasn't even close. It wasn't what close, it was yeah. rated for. Not even yeah, close. I, um, I saw a diagram that was illustrated by XKCD because they were repurposing something they did. Um, mm. And someone online was like, so when you watch the movie, uh, a, there, there was a movie about a U-boat that crashed. Um, and they were worried about the pressure inside the sub that would crush them. That was at mm-hmm. 300 feet below mm-hmm. the surface of the ocean. At that point, subs of like the 1940s, 1950s started having issues. Now, our submarines are better, yes. But that sure. was prime military technology, and 300 feet was enough to crush the submarine. Um, you mean yeah. to tell me that the stuff this guy bought at Camping World and put into this whatever you want to call it didn't meet those qualifications? Yeah, for like 13,000 feet down where yeah. the Titanic rests on the ocean floor. Yeah. Like, like even that place. alone, I'm sitting there going, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable with this. I also think that there's a certain amount of hubris in visiting the Titanic, a ship yeah. famous for sinking and killing people, in a submersible named the Titan, like, you're yeah. just asking for Mother Nature to be like, cracks its knuckles. Hold my beer, guys. I'm on this. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like my, my wife works for a nonprofit, and she, she deals a lot of, like, uh, uh, <clears throat> like nautical stuff because mm-hmm. of where she works and whatnot. And she's very adamant that, like, this is a grave site. Yeah. It's a resting area for people. You shouldn't be yes. going to tour it like it's your fucking local Disney World. Yes. And, uh, like, I get it. There's some merit to, like, the scientific value of going down there to, like, study and learn and whatnot. But you you literally charge $250,000 to take somebody to die. Yeah. You, uh, you want to study do. it? You do it in a robot. Yeah, yes. you, you don't go down there with people and disrespect the people that died there. And yeah. like, I don't know. Like, like I said, Ugh. the kid I feel bad for. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, you you, no. you went on this thing and you did 
something really stupid and you should not the, the pictures that they show there, there was like levers with duct tape and sharpie marker uh, written to like you know ballast to like flush and like you know like to fill like you, why are you getting on this thing at all you're yeah. insane yeah no you are insane and that's the thing like it was rich people on a thrill-seeking expedition yeah. thinking they were invincible and it is rich people like as you uh -huh. said 250,000 to go take what a couple of hours on a trip of the titanic which is just yeah. pushing your fucking luck. It, it was like eight to ten hours round trip or something. Was I think it's like two, three, four hours to get down there. You stay down and then you come back up. It was supposed to be like you know a, a thing that wasn't you know to to be like a half a day's excursion or whatever. But I mean, they lost communication with the with the vessel like less than two hours in. So I mean, th th it went wrong quick. And you just you feel for the families, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, it's tragic, uh, yep. but at the same time, like you had to be an absolute moron to get on this thing if you thought it was any kind of safe. You, if you have to sign something to say, you know, if I die, you're not held liable. You, you shouldn't have gotten on it. I'm no. sorry. There, there are there are three simple rules for life. One, you don't live on a house on an Indian burial ground. Right. Two, you don't touch Hold a there. Ouija board. Uh, uh -huh. And three, you don't visit the cursed ship, the Titanic, okay? We should yeah. all just be able to agree on this. Yeah, I've seen Ghost Ship. <laughs> I know how this ends. Yeah. Oh, I've seen Ghost Ship too, which, by the way, <laughs> terrible movie with the first, like, five minutes of a really fantastic fucking movie right yeah. at the start. That oh, opening God, scene, the, oh. The death, the death scene in the beginning with the wire. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're getting off topic a bit. No, no, but, oh, man. no, no so we're cool. not, because that's one, it's horror movies, which we cover now. And two, that's about <laughs> as bad as the Titanic. And that is a gloriously fucked up opening to that movie. I, yeah. Like, it sets the bar so high and the movie is unable to meet it afterwards. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's sad it's there's some good yeah. cgi in there you know mm -hmm. the end or whatever but yeah. i mean you know at, at the same time pretty bad movie i do own it though i have to review it at some point for the website that, <laughs> that will happen sooner or later um speaking of titanic failures though and this is the thing i actually want to discuss in detail a little more now the writer strike of america <laughs> this, yeah. which has been going yeah. on now for like seven weeks has yeah, shows, say six, seven weeks, yeah. It's been seven weeks. Shows no sign of abating, and Hollywood is starting to have some serious issues. Now, they were worried that the writer's strike was also going to be joined by the director's strike and the actor's strike. There's no word mm -hmm. on the actors yet, but the directors have come to a deal, which presumably means the studios were like, well, we can't do anything about the writers, but maybe we can hire scabs and at least have like people with vision get them <laughs> through it, you know? It's funny because like you, the people that really are like the backbone of a lot of things, and mm -hmm. yeah, they get credited here and there, and and there's obviously credits that the you know they're in there, and and they get some credit, but the, but they're not as well known as like the directors or or well you know, some, yeah, yeah, or exactly. I mean, you know, the, they see that you know uh, we don't need these writers, but oh boy, shit, we better get this deal done with the directors before we lose some real clout here and whatnot. Like it, it's. The little guy getting stepped on again. Just pay these people. Yeah. They deserve it. There are a couple of clauses that the writers do not want to bow on, and I don't think they should. And this is the sticking point. One, they feel that writers in general should get residuals of 2% of the money made on production. And I'm sure that's uh, gross, not net, because right. writers aren't stupid and know that Hollywood will try and make everything they do look like a failure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paperwork-wise, oh, yeah. everything loses money in Hollywood, even when it makes money. That's just how they do mm -hmm. their accounting. Um, mm -hmm. So, But the writers want 2% of residuals, which is fair when you consider that actors get residuals, directors get points on the scripts or the points on the movies. Everyone except the writers gets that. Writers are criminally underpaid, generally have to work second gigs to make ends meet, even when they write a successful script. 
Uh, right. Very few of them can actually support themselves. So residuals is fair. And the other thing they want to do get, do is get rid of what's called the mini rooms. Have you heard about this? I have not. Educate okay. me a little bit. Here. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm way in the know on this because I want to be a screenwriter at some point. Um, <laughs> so traditionally, you hear about shows having writers' rooms, which is you know you get a bunch of writers in, and as the show is being produced, the writers are writing scripts. They're workshopping the scripts that are about to get filmed. Uh, a writer is generally on set to keep an eye on the episode and help if quick rewrites are needed. That's what a writer's room does. The mini room is a new thing that's been introduced in the last couple of years. And essentially it's a uh, smaller writer's room instead of like the eight to 10 to 12 people you have. It's like four to six people that are supposed to bang out an entire season of a show before the show is produced. And then they're fired and the showrunner has to basically take over all creative duties after that point. It's, so it's a way, they say it's a way to save costs and get a show into production faster. But what it really means is we don't have to hire as many people or pay them as much. Ah, it's so devious, isn't it, is. it, when you put it, it that is. way? Uh-huh. Well, and the other thing it does is because they're not on set, because the showrunner has to do all the creative stuff, which, by the way, generally means the show takes longer to produce because that's more things for the showrunner to do. Um, Amazing also, how they drag their feet when it comes to that point, isn't it? Right. Um, <laughs> it also means that the uh, creatives that would normally learn from being on set and seeing how things are directed and learn the production side of things after writing a script no longer get that experience. So all those people that worked their way up no longer have a chance to work their way up. So it's it's this weird thing where like everything that's supposed to be done to help a writer actually become successful has been gotten rid of in the last few years, especially with the rise of streaming and mm-hmm. writers not getting residuals on streaming and everything else that happens. So it's like the contract negotiations sound perfectly fucking fair and the studios won't budge. It's It's... Like it's really just the world we live in nowadays. Like things mm-hmm. have changed so much in the last like four to five years alone mm-hmm. that they're just they're just light years apart where they were even twenty years ago. Like it, it's crazy. Like there is mm-hmm. the the fact that like you know things that like have been gotten away with for so long that like some of these like you know Hollywood bigwigs and big shot studios have done just for years and no one's even noticed that now is getting attention and like. You, y'all need to like get your comeuppance is what I'm thinking here because like you've been doing this for years and people have suffered for suffered for years yeah. you know like this in, in poor working conditions or just you know underpaid mm-hmm. you know like to your point like not even part of the creative process and getting some life experience learning yeah it, it, and, and just like and, and it's very important you know to kind of like you know educate yourself and move on and what can I do to expand and grow next time you don't even get the chance to do that yeah. you know just to save a few bucks here to put more money in your pocket it's just it's gross well like it's like as much as I don't like Joss Whedon I think at this point he's come out as a misogynistic prick even though at one point he used to write some of the best female characters around although if you go back mm-hmm. and watch him now you can see how he didn't um, but <laughs> like that was that was the the thought on him um, mm. But he worked his way up as like a script doctor on movies like Toy Story and writing scripts like the original Buffy and other productions like that. Would mm. he have then been able to go on and run a show like the 1997 Buffy the Vampire Slayer and follow up Angel and Firefly and all those if he hadn't started as a screenwriter actually hanging out on set getting to see how things were produced? I don't mm. think so. And you can look, point to a number of people. Most of them aren't Kevin Smith who just gets to like make his own movie and suddenly kind of sort of work his way upwards, even though he mostly does his own thing. Um, like, most people don't get to do that. Most of them have to work their way up through the industry, and you can't do that if the industry won't let you work your way up. Like, yeah. 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 
Yeah. Quick, quick shout out here to, to Kevin Smith too. Like in my Jersey showing, but I've met him and Jason Muse. They're both really cool guys. So <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Not, not, to, not to harp on this point too much, but it's really kind of funny because you have a good story of Kevin Smith. And I really <laughs> wish Josh was here and didn't have to take like a hiatus from the show for a little while because mm. he has a terrible story about Kevin Smith. <laughs> oh no. Like, yeah, I've been to his, uh, his comic book store mm. in uh, Red Bank, New Jersey. And like, got to meet him there. Like, he's just a really, just a cool dude. Like he didn't spend a lot of time with you. Mm -hmm. because, like, he was just kind of there. I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, and, and respectfully, like, yo, I know who you are. Love your work kind of thing. And he was mm -hmm. just like, Hey, thanks man. I appreciate that. Like yeah. you don't want to, they're, they're people too. And a lot of people forget that. Like, you know, yeah. just walking up and make a scene like, Oh my God, it's all. Oh just well, and be that nice, was, be candid. That was what happened. I think, uh, not, not the, Oh my God part. But like my friend Josh, uh, our other co-host here, he uh, was at a convention that Kevin Smith was at, and he saw Kevin mm. Smith walking down the hallway, and he just was like, "Hey, uh, big fan!" And Kevin Smith just not only brushed him off, but like I think told him to fuck off or something, and it was just really rude. And oh, wow. like <laughs> afterwards, he was bitching to his girlfriend about it, uh, now his wife, uh, about it. And Jason Muse, who was nearby, overheard and came over and was like, "Dude, I gotta." He was on the phone. He's like, I got to call you back later, dude. I got to take care of this. And like he did damage control and was like, no, nah, he's just having a bad day. It's not really him normally. And mm. hung out with him for like 15 minutes and did pictures and everything. Muse was fucking great. That's but amazing. The... Yeah, yeah. I, I but... met him at a bar like when nice. I was at a bar like in my 20s or whatever. And he was just there kind of chilling. because Muse you know, for you, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. chill. And I woke up like, oh my god, like and I'm drunk yeah. and I'm like 22, 23, and that's <laughs> do, doing what I told you not to do. Exactly. Like making yeah. a scene and whatnot. Yeah. But he was totally chill. He's like, yo, what's up, bro? Have a drink. I'm like, oh my god, it's Jason Muth. Like <laughs> he was he was uh. a really cool guy. So hearing that. Um, him doing a little damage control for his buddy, uh, you know, Kevin. Mm -hmm. so it doesn't surprise me at all. No. Like he's a really, really good guy. They both are. Um, so maybe he was having a bad day, Kevin yeah. Smith, whatever. But, I talk it up but, for that. But, yeah, but I mean, you can tell just just from that and my interaction with him. Jason Muse, overall stand up guy. Stand up dude. Yeah, no, like <laughs> everything you hear, like he's got he's had a bit of a rough patch because you know he got into yeah. drugs and so forth. Right, and right, had right. Clean himself up at the with the help of his friend Kevin Smith. No fault of right. that, right there. Right. Um, but yeah, you could tell that he went through a patch, but he's doing better now. And the dude just seems like in life, he's just a cool, chill guy to hang out with. So if you have mm -hmm. a chance, hang out with Jason Muse. Yeah, you know, if the, if the opportunity presents itself, take advantage. Take advantage. Unlike getting on a submarine that's going to kill you. Take advantage of hanging out with Jason Muse. Don't take advantage of Jason Muse. That's a different thing. That's like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whole different conversation altogether. Get, get consent. Maybe he's into it. Maybe he's not. But get consent first. That's Look, all I'm saying. I, yeah. I've seen Zach and Miri make a porno. The dude <laughs> might be into it. I'm just saying. <laughs> now on the subject of uh fans going oh my god i did i was hanging out with a guy on Times square way back in college and we saw fucking carson daly and his girlfriend at the time tara reed and i'm like oh, oh wow like it's well you know that was where mtv was filming uh yeah Total, yeah Total request live so they yeah. were clearly like on the down low coming out trying not to do, make a scene of it and i was like oh he my friend was like oh look it's them i'm like oh yeah, okay. great. Yeah, Thumbs and then up. he's like, I gotta go over and talk to them, and he demanded, like, autographs and everything. I was like, oh, okay. This is yeah. awkward for everyone involved. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that to people. Like, Jason Mewes at a bar is one thing, because a bar is a social situation. If you see stars on the street, maybe don't. 
Yeah, like, and yeah. if you're going, if you feel the need to, which some of you might, I mean, you we're might. all human, you sure. Yeah. You yeah. see somebody you love, great. Remember, they're people too. Be yeah. discreet, be candid. I think they'd respect that. Honestly, they'd probably even just be appreciative of not being bothered at all. But at the same all, yeah. time, they, they, they understand that, you know what, you're a celebrity, you signed up for this. But try to be respectful to them, you know? Maybe you That's could do, like... The surprised eye lift, and then a quick nod, and then move on without like drawing attention. That way, they know. Oh, I recognized you, and I respect you enough to leave you alone. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> lessons we've learned: one, don't get in a submarine; two, <laughs> hang out with Jason Mewes; and otherwise, three, leave celebrities alone. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good life lessons to live by. <laughs> this has been Not So Life from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Finkelstein, and I swear I will not accost Jason Muse. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you won't, but I might. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next time. The, the, the stress that I faced at my other store is mm. far less here, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm much more shorthanded at this store, so I'm just so busy all the damn time. Ooh, that's gross. Um, but, but I'm getting there, and, and we're hiring slowly. Just nobody wants to work retail, man, and, and who can blame them in this day and age? Well, yeah, no, and that's I think that's, that's actually taps into something that we've said on the show before, um, which is uh, if you can get a job that pays better, why go work at a shit job somewhere else that refuses to pay you well? Like, all the people that are around being like, well, we can't hire anyone to work as a waiter or a waitress. Uh, well, it's because you're trying to pay them two fifty an hour. Yeah. Like, And we've upped our pay in, in, in people, too. But, I mean, at the same time, like, if so many people are able to get flexible workings from home or whatnot. Like, my wife does that. Mm -hmm. If you can do that and you have a degree that you can do that, like, don't yeah. work in a fucking store. Like, I feel you. <laughs> I do. I feel you. But, like, it's... It's, it's the kids these days that, that don't, like, give a shit that kill me. <laughs> you say that, but all I can think of is Principal Skinner. No, no, it's the kids that are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that scene from The Breakfast Club, like, no, the, the, these kids, they, you know, they failed me. He's like, I, or the other, the, the, he's like, you know, that's the thought that keeps me up at night, that one day these kids are going to take care of me, and the janitor's like, I wouldn't count on it. Like, that's, <laughs> I, I, I feel that now. <laughs> <laughs>